Do you live your life rock boat to rock boat? If so, then welcome aboard the Boatcast, the podcast for rock boaters by rock boaters. Do you live your life rock boat to rock boat? If so, let me hear a hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Happy Hour with the Boatcast. And look, Eamon made it. (laughs) Better late than never, right? So we're we're waiting. uh, We had a a scheduled change here. I think Scott Terry is is coming out. I didn't see him back there. It is him. (laughs) It's him. All right, so... uh, He's not. He's not here. Anybody? Uh, anybody go do bingo today? Yeah, that was exciting. DNA did a really good job. It was exciting because you won, right? I did win. I, I wasn't I sure win. if uh, you know, Chris would make it to the podcast today, or <laughs> he would be tackled for his money that he won from bingo. But you made it, man. Uh, it was a little over. Uh, it was two bear hugs and a high five. A little over that. A little over that. <laughs> a little over that. <laughs> a high, a high five hundred. High five hundred. But you know what? You know, let's uh, let let's get Joe Bachman. Wanna Joe Bachman in the house? Come on up. Yeah, come on up. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, artist Mr. Joe Bachman, welcome. Hey everybody. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta call six men. I, I don't think anybody's allowed to go on early, so, so I, I feel like I'm breaking the rules here. Dude, welcome, man. Thank you. It's great to be here. We're back on the boat. Does anybody else feel like we definitely need uh, a three-day vacation after the rock boat? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I did, I did the meet and greet this morning, and they, they, every, every was like, "How are you feeling?" I'm like, "I'm freaking exhausted." They put my shows on after midnight, and then they're like, "Oh, surprise! You have a meet and greet at nine in the morning. Happy breakfast." <laughs> No Jaeger at breakfast, by the way. How many boats for you now? Total boats, I yeah. think, is seven. seven. Um, second rock boat. Second rock boat. What was your first rock boat? First rock boat was 10 years ago now. Yeah, so rock boat 13, which I believe was in 2014, if I'm saying it right. Yes. Okay. It was 2013 back then. <laughs> they, they threw us off. We cheated. COVID leaders. Through the year out, yeah. Turn COVID threw us off on the. That's year what happened. Man. COVID, yeah, okay. yeah. All right, all right. Well, anyway, it was it was ten years, almost to the day. So you know, going back from your first boat to now, and looking at the progression of not just how awesome the community is, but also the progression of Six Man and Hazel and what they bring to everybody's life for a week out of the year. What has been your perspective of that change over the years? Honestly, these people, they, they, they made me feel like I haven't felt forever. Like when I got the call to do the rock boat this year, I thought I was going to be treated like a first year guy because it's been 10 years, you know, and I was just excited to be back on board with my friends and I put the announcement out and just hundreds of rock boaters were so glad you're back. I'm like that blew me away. So that. That was that was wild, and it's just a testament to this community. I've said it everywhere I go. I've said it on other boats. The, the rock boaters, to me, are the best music fans in the world. So, like, they, 
they want you to show them new music. They want to hear new music. It's it's a really cool thing. So there's a, there's a tattoo on on the top of your hand, right there, and uh, it's it stands for uh, still fucking here. Yes, sir. Can you explain for those who haven't heard what that is, what it's about? Can you explain to everybody? Yeah. So. I used to text my daddy, and I don't know if anybody heard my story about my father. My father served 34 years in the Army. He was my hero and, and one of those men's men. He could fix anything. And uh, whenever I'd text my dad, hey, where are, you? where are you? Still fucking here because he was he was a guy who worked 20 hours a, a, a day. Um, and so I was in the Vegas shootings. Uh, I spent three hours under a car with hearing the, the bullets come down, and I was— laying directly next to a security guard from Mandalay. And I came out of that that experience and I went home and talked to my wife and I was like, I, I know everybody says this, but when you're in one of those situations, everything changes. And and it changed for me that day and it's never life has never looked the same since then. It's I don't care about fame or fortune or money. I, I care about time. I care about my family. So I I started this charity called SFH still fucking here. It's just an apparel company, but I learned very quickly from speaking to fans and people were reaching out all over the place, of course, doing, uh, being in the shooting. And so many people have their own stories. It could be uh, drug addiction. It could be a wounded warrior. It could be somebody like myself that went through uh, an attack. Uh, it could be drug addiction. It could be mental or physical abuse. Everybody has been through some type of trauma and we're all still here. We're all still here, and we made it out the other side. And so I wanted to kind of build a community of people that have been through that, and then we take 50% of every dollar we raise, and we give it back to the people that are trying to make it through their fight. So awesome. Thanks, Vase. Thank you. Woo! Yeah. Speaking of community. Yes, sir. We were privileged to be there that very first night for the pre-party. Awesome. Oh. And Brad, the, to go back to, to what you said of, you know, are people going to welcome you? I mean, number one, you are all over Facebook. So there was no question. You, you, that F word family, you are a part of that. But when you played Mr. Brightside and then you're like, where's Jet Barris? The little things, the little details, just knowing that everyone there had seen that video of him absolutely killing it. Sure. Like, you through and through are rock boat material. This will not be your your last boat. I can't touch you that much. Thank you. I, the you people, awesome. Thank you. And then and and I've I've gotten so many people that are like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> I was never hurt. It's just I I wanted to I wanted to make it a a, a point to say whatever jerk would would throw a, an open beer bottle across the room at a musician on stage, I wanted to make it a point to say there's, we knew it wasn't a rock boat, you know? Somebody did it, somebody was there, somebody was being a jerk, but uh, I guarantee you, you, you guys ever, you guys ever want to have a fun end of your podcast, ask that to every artist that you interview. <laughs> hey, hey, what's what's the shittiest or the craziest thing that ever happened to you on stage? Because that was not the first time I had, this is the second time somebody threw a full drink at me, right? The first time was 20 years ago at a casino in Atlantic City while I was on stage. And that was much different than Gramps in Miami because the <laughs> casino is much more loaded with security. Mm-hmm. And and that it was a 60-some-odd-year-old Asian woman that threw. She thought, she thought I was making fun of her. 
and I was singing Green Day. So maybe they were. I, I wasn't. <laughs> but she threw a shot, I mean, a uh, rocks glass at my head. And before that rocks glass hit the ground, she had seven security people on her. So a little different than Gramps the other day. Can you walk us through your creative process when you're writing songs? Shoot, it starts with drugs. <laughs> and uh, there you go. Cool. Works. Ca- caffeine, girl. Songs, caffeine. Drugs. <laughs> no, not caffeine. Weed is legal now. We can talk about weed. I've never done a hard drug in my life, but we could talk about it. I know, I know it's not federally legal, but it's, it's legal everywhere I'm at. Um, no, in all seriousness, everybody has a different way of writing. Everybody has a, I, I've talked to Ken Block about this till I'm blue in the face, but um, me personally, I have to have the story before the song. I have to have the story before the music. I have to have the story before the melody line. For me, it's all about what am I trying to say? And that could just be a party drinking song or it could be, you know, a song I wrote about my dad's Alzheimer's. But either either part of it has to be a story. And then I take that story and by the by the tone of the story, you know, if it's a drinking song, then I want it to be up tempo. I don't want it to be a ballad, of course. Right. So I take that and then I have an idea of what I want it to be tempo wise. And then it goes into into melody. You know, that's it's great because, you know, God rest his soul, Jimmy Buffett. You know, wrote a song called I think it's called I ninety five. Yep. And it's like yo, were you born an asshole? So maybe the the bottle getting thrown was like it could be some another song, right? It could be an amazing song. I, I was talking to uh, some some voters last night and we were in the middle of the conversation and three different times during that conversation she said, That's a song title, that's a song title. And I I've said that my whole life. Every conversation I have is a song. If you're listening, every single conversation is a song. It's just how you I can come about and tell it. And, and I think Buffett was one of the greatest at those, right? And it's funny because I'm fascinated by the people that can do it in reverse. So Elton John is one of my absolute idols. I think he's one of the greatest. Let me that. Let's stop it right there. Please. Because the first time Elton John ever performed in Philadelphia, which is where we're out of, somebody threw a, a bottle. See? It happens to somebody much bigger than me. He said, if you, anybody ever throws another item at me on stage, I will never perform in Philadelphia. And I guess nobody wow. ever did. Nobody ever did. Or he didn't say it. Wow. Yeah, so Elton does it the exact opposite. You know, Bernie Taupin, who wrote the majority of Elton's lyrics, Bernie would write the lyric first and fax it to Elton John. Like, can you imagine getting Goodbye Norma Jean, although I never knew you at all? Like, this is written on a piece of paper. Here you go, play piano to that and sing it. And that, to me, I as a songwriter, I have no idea how to process that. I have no idea how to just somebody hands you a paper and, you know, so everybody's creative in their own way, and it's it, it's the coolest thing in the world. It's one of the things I love most about this boat. You go in the artist lounge, and we get together and either just perform songs or or some of us write, and just seeing someone else's creative process is it's awesome. What is one thing you like to do when on the boat when you're not performing? Well, people watching on this boat is better than any place to be. <laughs> You can you can tuck yourself in a corner right up there, and you'll have memories for the rest of your life. Um, no, honestly, I I think it's one of the coolest things about being on the boat or or any any multi day festival for an artist. We're typically arrive somewhere, unload, sound check, meet and greet, show, shower, bye. That's that's our day, and to be able to come to somewhere like this and have 30 or 40 peers of other artists that we can sit, collaborate, talk, road stories, life stories. I mean, just just talking to your wife right now, talking about just 
life. And, and, you know, I, I have two children and I was explaining that my son is three. If I had him first, there would be no second. There would be no chance. <laughs> um, my daughter's eight and she's my queen and, and just the absolute princess of her house and the most amazing little girl ever. And, and that's why I chose to have a second. And what I was saying, I don't get to have those conversations normally with people that, um, you know, it's, it's normally fans and it's very short and it's out the door. So something where I can walk around and have real conversations with guests and, and fellow rock boaters. I mean, I never, I think I was telling you this at lunch, we had lunch today. And, um, I never heard of or saw the struts in my life and I'm leaving this boat as I believe the biggest struts fan on the face of the planet. Like I'm, they call it a fi everything. What's that? Strutters. strutters strutters that's what i was saying. So yeah people people were emailing me saying you're we're gonna make a strutter i'm a strutter that help me in i'm so sold and and that's i love that about this boat is that you can hey i never heard of joe bachman and let me go and check him out oh yeah he's as bad as i thought he was see you later but joking like it's fun to be able to do that it's somebody you don't know just don't throw a drink all right don't yeah well <laughs> I'm gonna become that guy now. It's, I've, it's happened twice. Now it's just gonna start happening. How did you? How did you explain to family and friends what the boat is that have never been on here? Like, how does an artist in your shoes just stealing Ken Block's? He's been, he's been saying it for what twenty years. You you can't explain it, and once you once you've done it, you just won't understand it. So, it, it's funny. My wife and I were on with my kids. We were on the sail across the sun in February, and when I got booked for this. She's like, are we bringing the kids? I say, we are not bringing the kids. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. Nope. There's, there's, it's just mayhem, you know, and in the best way possible. But, you know, in the mean greet this morning, every, every single person that approached the stage had tired eyes. Every one of them. And they're like, we know when we come on this boat, we know we're staying up until 2, and we know we're waking up again at 9, and that's all part of the plan. And that, that's music dedication. That's amazing. You know, uh, real quick, I want to give a shout out to somebody special in the room, uh, Six Man Jessica. Woo! You know, the best. She, the best. The people at Six Man are like wizards. Cannot say enough. I, I, I picked that little lady's brain the other day, and the and the artist. Uh, she's just, she's special, man. She's got it, and she just, she like, she know. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Twenty plus. <laughs> No, but it, I mean, I think anybody, any artist that's ever worked with Six Man knows how special this team is, how different this team yeah. is. Um, I don't want to give away personal information that, but but she said to me, she said the most important part of my job is being part of a team, and that's so evident to everybody that's in Six Man. Yeah, without a doubt. Yo, um, for the listeners who have not heard of Joe Bachman or um, still fucking here, Foundation, where can people go to find? You can get everything you need at, at JoeBachman.com. Uh, this is WeRSFH.com. Um, and then Joe Bachman will take you to all the other places, too. Joe, thanks for coming by. Always. Guys. Thank you, Rock Boaters. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Right, all right, all right. I want to say something real quick, if I can. These guys are amazing, and they do this all their own time, and that's unbelievable. So how about some noise for all these? All right, all right. So uh, Scott was out here and he left the gears. Scott he keeps disappearing. <laughs> okay, so we're just gonna roll right along here. So um, our next uh, clear, no, please, no. not not here either. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Buck. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
Where is where is so for those um we have guitar picks. There's the mayor. There's the next contestant. Right on time. Perfect timing. Well, uh, Scott Terry, yeah. red running blue, everyone. Something guy. What is that? Thank you. How? Of course, of course. What are you guys up to? Still talking about last night's cover Genesis. What? We get, as each day we just get more and more to talk about, so <laughs> it becomes easier and easier, you know? That first year that we did the boat cast and Chris had only been on one boat, and then it got delayed because of COVID and we had about 100 shows, we had to talk about his three days for 100 shows. <laughs> Awesome. Scott, thanks for coming by. Appreciate it as always. Of course. What, walk us through the collaboration and the creative process behind last night's cover. You want to hear the genesis of genesis? The genesis of genesis? Genesis. I got Boo. It's long. Uh, the guys in Sister Hazel Jet approached us about it and was saying it would be something, you know, he wanted to, I think they were looking to do something that they hadn't done before. And, um, and I don't, yeah, I don't know if it was just that we had, we had just done the uh, big plug for tonight, ARWB, <laughs> yeah. with our very dear friends, our best friends, Alternate Roots, we did a double band thing. So they knew that we had just gotten off of like having a little experience with doing that. And he was like, let me throw this idea by and see if it's something that you think is cool and doable. And I was like, absolutely. I think we can totally figure a way to do it. And he kind of took it from there. They, I mean, they showed up. He did so much work. He did not get, that was the one thing I regretted last night is that we did not give the man enough credit for for creating the whole concept, the idea. He did all the video work for it. And even the song selections were like, here's what we were thinking for you guys. What do you think? And it was like, that's exactly what I would have picked. I would have loved to have picked that song. I would have loved to have that stuff. And we did a lot of homework uh, privately, so we all kind of all got the list of what our, you know we were hoping to achieve. Went off and did it individually, and then we met as our own bands, and and the rehearsals were like shaky because we broke up the parts between two bands. So you're sitting there trying to run a song, and you're like, ah, I'm not hearing it, and they're like that's because it's a, that guitar part's in Florida right now. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll get to it, hopefully. Can you imagine it for now and keep, you know. So it, it made for some tricky rehearsals um, between both. It happened on both sides, so it was great. And, um, yeah, we, we I'm amazed. Again, we're all, everybody, so many amazing musicians and stuff on the boat. Uh, but that was definitely, like, I did not expect to have, we had one rehearsal. Wow. That was it. Damn. It was one rehearsal, and then we did just before the show. We kind of sat down and we're like, "Okay, let's just go back over that one rehearsal and see how does everyone feel." And yeah, and I think and the show went as great as I could have. It was amazing. So much. Yeah, it was. It was such a. I mean, selfishly, yeah, it was like a bucket list thing for me. I was like so <laughs> stoked to be able to do that. It was wild. Yeah, those those kinds those kinds of like when artists are able to do renditions of different artists as well as you guys all do them. Yeah, it's so impressive, man. Yeah. And it's like a treat for us as just like yeah. fans watching music. Absolutely. Well, and you know, I mean, Sister Hazel, they're so good at 
I mean, they've been doing it for years. You watch them the way that they, you know, uh, lift up another artist, whether it be, you know, in a sail away set or in a finale, or they're always, they're always so good at being able to like tell everybody else in the audience, like here, look, like focus, look at this, look at this. And I felt, we felt a lot of that love during that set and on the show. So they really, I felt like they set us up to make it such a successful show. And I think it was, it was awesome. And I was so, oh, yeah, yeah. I want to do it again. I'm like, let's take it on the room. <laughs> Here we go. I don't know what legal stuff we have to figure out with Phil Collins, but uh, yeah. It was great. Yeah, it was a blast. So we're all family here, right? Community, connection, music, emotions. What is it like for you? And I I, I think you bring some family members on the boat. Yeah. And what is it like when it's like we're back on the boat, you know, does that excitement start to build? Because we all feel that excitement and obviously you can see yeah. it on the Facebook page are there like there's text messages obviously between relatives sure what's the the biggest thing that family looks forward to when they come on well you know and again we've been red wanting blue has been very very lucky to be a part of it the you know yeah we, we've missed this one uh in 2018 but we've been so lucky to be able to be a part of it that you know I don't look I don't we we're a band, so we usually play on New Year's Eve or, you know, end of the year. So whenever else is, everybody else is having a holiday, you know, at the end of the year, we're usually mildly sweating about, you know, end of the year shows and things like that. This is kind of my, like, uh, this is what I look forward to. Like, like here lately, I've been like, this is my New Year's Eve. Like, this is this whole thing. Like, it's all working for this. Um, and, you know, it, uh, yeah, we, we stay focused through the holidays on on rock boat and all the work that we do for the show you know the shows and to keep things uh interesting and you know like this this boat was probably for us the most ambitious boat and um so family was very supportive so i'll say that so i'm glad that they're still they all came and uh we uh we i think we this is the biggest group that we've got too the biggest for all oh, i think it was like 20 20 all in all for the our band and family and stuff um and it was awesome today. We did the fun run today. Yeah. And my father had my father had a knee surgery in March, and he's back up and walking and doing his thing. And we were able to do a, do a little lap there at the end. So mom and dad and Scotto walking around on the on deck seven today. That was awesome. So that's the kind of stuff you're like, as a grown man, you don't think you're gonna ever be on a cruise ship walking around with your mom and dad. And you like look over at them and you're like, you're wearing a sweatband that I made. So weird. Yeah. While a man while a man wearing like hey, a, like a rooster. That's how you know you made it though, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, there's so many surreal so many surreal moments on this boat where you're like, this is this is like a this literally sounds like a dream. You know, a man running with a like a chicken costume next to us as we're walking by. So wild. I have a feeling if we get to continue the run, it's going to get wild because like the, out, the outfits that we saw today was already like, wow, this is only the second one. And like that man's in a full blown like blue suit. He was he was like a blue man. It was like a blue spandex suit. And I was like, who are you? And he was like, I'm blue. I was like, yes, you are. You're my boy, blue. Yeah. And I, I stopped. I stopped up like by the flip cup tournament thing to see the costume. People were just like to the T's. I think <laughs> even even for just flip cup, I was like, "Damn, 
Yeah, every day. So I want to talk about probably one of the coolest tour posters that I've seen in a very long time uh, leading up to the rock boat. You guys had a road to rock boat. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if you all saw, but check out Red, Running Blue's socials. It's there. And the creative process behind the artwork, where does that come from? Who's in, like, like who runs that? Well, I, I, we have, there's, I am, I like to think that between, we all have our, our ideas that kind of get thrown into the pot. I, I think I lead that. I sort of, I stir, I stir the pot a lot with the stuff. <laughs> Um, like if you go to the merch store, I would say a majority of our merch is usually like drawings I draw or little things I like to sketch out. And that's usually because I'm trying to find some way to get out of a legal thing. <laughs> you're like, you're like, it's not your cactus. I drew it. <laughs> I drew it. <laughs> I drew that cactus. I, I traced your cactus. Yes. But because I traced it, it's not yours. It's mine now. Sort of. And so, yes, yeah, so I try to, <laughs> so I do that. Um, yeah, so I, I, I like that kind of stuff and it bleeds over into the, into the, the posters and stuff. We do have some, we, we have some other designers too that we, it's really great to get, let them do their own thing. And, you know, and then you can see things that we have a, we have a, a guy um, who's a friend uh, named David Prokrivnak and he, he made a poster of like literally, he's a, Right in our wheelhouse, he made a poster where it looked like the old circus popcorn box, you know, things like like it, things you're like, I would not have thought of that. And that's really cool. And then just it just helps kind of feed, you know, fun posters and stuff. That one, actually, we David and I, we've kind of worked together because I had said, like, I don't know, we're going down to the boat. Uh, last year, we did something where I had drawn the bus, you know, and I again, if you look at the bus, this isn't a little tidbit, here's a little Easter egg. Uh, the bus that I, so I drew our bus and I wanted wings on it. And my parents went to college in Northern Illinois university and that's in, uh, DeKalb, Illinois. DeKalb is famous for their corn, the, fl the flying corn. So they have this like logo with the flying corn. The people of DeKalb are probably wondering how I got that, <laughs> that the wings of the bus. Just quite traced right. It, traced it. <laughs> so again, but I drew it. So. Uh, but I was looking for something different and I didn't want to, yeah, steal from DeKalb anymore. So, uh, yeah, so I had said, you know, I don't know, throwing around some ideas of the boat, maybe drive near the water. I don't know if we can find anything like that. And then he found, he found these like old French tourist posters or Italian posters of, uh, like bus tours and things yeah. like that. And then he just kind of took it and moved it to the water. So that was one that's way beyond my skills and ability. So outside of tracing. Yeah, so I mean, I'm good at, I'm good at, yeah, I'm good at tracing and bad sketches, uh, but I feel like I'm good at, you know, putting it together and a really poor drawing, taking a photo of that drawing, and then saying, can you do something real with that? Yeah. So I have some seeds in direction, and then you know, and then it gets out. Yeah, but I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you like yeah. it. Yeah, I I like it, but I I like more your new single, Goliath. Oh, thank you. I did do that. Uh, can you walk us through how long that song would have, you know, how long did it take from inception to 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 getting it out and like the creative process? Um, well, this new record, it's we used to try to we would always try to make records every you know every few years as we've gotten older and uh, you know it went from when we were younger it would be a 
every two to three years you'd have a new album out and then then it turned more like four to five and i think it's the longest with it being now 24 and the last record came out in april of 18 so it will have been six years from one record to the next uh again though we did have a bit of a break that was forced upon us so we had to deal with that but we we did it we took a different approach to making the record um we took a dip like we just again you know what we're here in this this is our community this is a tree this is the tree view. so i will i will tell you that um a few boats ago emerson hart from tonic was on and we were backstage somewhere talking about it and he was we had this is and he, we were talking about the last record we made with will and because he also lives in nashville and he was saying that if he could do it all over again the way he likes to work now and he was like you should try it uh was that he was like instead of just working in your garage or your private spaces writing songs demoing things getting things to a place where you like it and then saying okay i think we have enough to make a record let's book studio time and get a producer and then go for two weeks which is historically what our band's always done we've been like we write stuff get it together think we know what we're doing we feel good about everything go into a studio hammer it out and then you hope for the best and then usually you get some things that you go i'm really proud of mm, that one maybe we missed the mark a little bit i could think the mix could have been a little better whatever but it's just it usually you know like that's you're like it's a moment in time and that was that and we move on and his approach was it you know he's like it may take a little longer maybe it might not uh depends on how where your schedule is but he's like if you just focused on on not trying to do it all in one sitting and just take a weekend work and go to the studio and work on one song or two songs and give all of your focus to just those two he's like they will undoubtedly form and form the next song or two that you do the next month yeah when or whenever you can get into the studio and then and you'll have time to like live with them change them because you always will and tweak mixes and do things like that so we said like oh, we wanted to try that approach it took a lot of uh stress off of trying to do it because you don't have to you're not worrying about all other eight songs or whatever else you're thinking of you're like just focus on these two that's all we have to do is make those things great figure that out and then the rest will come later and um so that's what we did and we were also very lucky that we we were able to connect with a, a guy who was a columbus ohio native we grew up in uh, all young kids together playing music and he now is less in los angeles and he's a uh, music engineer he does he's a mixer the name is john spiker and we were reconnected and he mixed hey 84 for us and we were like wow this the mix was so great we we're so pleased with it that we we said like let's if you're available we'd love you know to send you yes. this and what was actually remarkable too was because of the process because he's very busy he's a very successful guy um that's another thing for them as a mixer being like i'm gonna make your whole record okay that's like a lot of it that's a lot of responsibility time i'll six months from now maybe i'll be ready you know that kind of thing yeah but because we knew him and we were sending him songs like one or two at a time because that's all we had month to month he was like yeah i can squeeze you i can do that on like a couple of days you know 
here or there, and I'll get you something next week. So we were able to kind of do the process, and he just kept, he just kept really like killing it on the mixes. I was so grateful for it, um, and that's so that's how the process went for for making the record. And uh, in regards to Goliath specifically, um, I think that again we started our writing process one way, which was we had started it before the pandemic. Things were kind of percolating and brewing, and and then like the world kind of changed, and then I felt like by 2022, the last thing in the world I wanted to hear was just like a acoustic guitar, like <laughs> you know, mid tempo folk record, isolationist record. I was like, I want to rock now. I want lights. I want you know energy, and I think the world did. And so we had sort of shifted and kind of looked, re- you know, took a different look at our band, what people see when they see our band, what they expect from our shows and what they, so we were like, let's, this is what we want to do. This is where we want to go. And so we, so we changed our focus, which is why the record took a little bit longer. Um, Cause we, we put some aside some of the earlier songs and, um, and then Goliath was one that popped up here and uh, kind of, you know, and there's so much, the headlines right now across the world, we have our own personal, David and Goliath stories, you know, like our own struggles personally, but the world has got a lot of them and they're on the news all the time. And it was just like overwhelming. And I just, uh, and so that's where the song kind of came out of. Yeah. Well, amongst all that chaos that's going on, yeah. I want to thank you for your, your amazing ability and your craft and helping all of us boaters get through each day with your amazing music. Goliath is outstanding. 84 is awesome. Um, well, I mean, I want to go I'll go ahead and say again, like, congrats to you guys. Like, the success thanks. of this has been wonderful. Thanks. I mean, look at this. There's people out here. Crowd, right? You know, Honestly, thank y'all for yeah, being here. Yeah, I, I, I many times will find myself in my house walking by my wife, and I'm like, what are you listening to? And she's like, Boatcast. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no way. Okay, who is this? You know, the one? Yes, she's, oh, yeah, there are, mm, there are many, there are many listening. No, it's great. It's really great. And you guys put such a spotlight on everything. And I just feel like year after year, this boat, it gets bigger and more involved. And uh, I mean, you guys are a perfect example of it. So I'm, and I love it. It's great. And we, and we appreciate you like taking the time out of your busy schedule to kind of just give us like the lowdown of what it is to kind of be an artist, like. Because I think that's why we're all here. Well, the first the first thing about being an artist is to uh, bring all of your tchotchkes on stage, which is what I did on yeah, your first night. Did you see? You saw, you saw your stats. Yes, I got a trophy. I got a humble and kind uh, turkey trophy. These guys, and it is a it is a totem now. It's on the stage with us all the time. Uh, no, I. I don't know what I mean to be an artist on this thing. I don't know. I mean, it's I, it's, it's unbelievable. The whole thing's like a dream. Um, I was just talking to somebody going down the stairs because, you know, like, this happens to me multiple times every day. I just take the stairs a lot because the elevators open at every floor like a child came in and went, <laughs> touched every button. So you're, so you're just like, oh. The door, I just want to get downstairs. It's like every time, you know, opening. So I find myself, the timing of it, where I hit the floor and I take the stairs and you hear that ding and the door opens and I go down one floor and it's like ding. 
I'm glad that works for Thing, and it's like at the same, you see walking by, and you're like, yep, yep, hi, still going, you know, and then it was going down. But I, I have dreams during the year, and I don't know if anybody, else, I'm sure everyone does, uh, this community, because it continues. It, this is like, this is the main event, but there's little events all throughout the year, and you guys help thread it across so it, we, no one ever fully leaves, you know? Um, but this is the main event, and other times of the year, I have these dreams of, like, I'll wake up, and it's usually because it's something like I wake up, I'm like, oh, wait, I have to pay a bill today, or I, did I pay that parking ticket, or there's something that's, but it will show up in the form of an anxiety dream of me walking down those stairs, and that elevator door going, and I never get where I'm supposed to go. And that's the dream. And somebody's always like, hey, what's up? And you're like, I gotta I'm like late for a show, and it's just ding, ding, and the stuff is going down the stairs. And that's my dream. Scott. That's me sharing. <laughs> Making a song? All right, well, we're going to. Scott. Here's it. Who know where? I want to thank you so much for finding time. You're super busy. You're the mayor of the boat. Mayor thank you so much I, for coming by. Whoever says that, that thank you very much. That's well, we have some uh, red, one, and blue Yeah, we just, so. Uh, oh, look at that, you guys. Some, uh. Well, Come on up and grab us in the boot. Oh, look at that. Thank you very much. No, thanks for having me. This is really, really great. Wow, Scott. Thanks, this, yeah, this is, thank you. thanks again, man. This whole thing has come such a long way. The first boat our band ever did was the last carnival one. Dave, you remember? Dave over there, he helped get us on. He he was an he was a huge supporter, and he never, ever, he, he wouldn't shut up. He'd, every time we'd go and play, We'd play in Indianapolis, and Dave would be like, I'm working on it, man. I'm working on it. trying to get you guys on that boat. I'm working on it. And I remember playing like the yeah, – it's just wild to see how far it's come and just in, in, in the years that we've been here. So thank you guys for sticking around and so many. That was another thing, too. I'm sorry. Before I go, I was backstage, and there were like all of the robes, and I just happened to be there standing right by. And I was like, oh, nice. And I started giving high fives to the people I saw in front of me, the robes. And I was there for like five minutes. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> my arm. Oh, my God. There's so many people that have been for 10 years. So it's, it's it, yeah, again, that was that was Mark and I this year. Yeah. Hey, thing. And yeah. I remember you on 12. We did. Oh, yeah. That's right. And on the side there. There it was. Yeah, the great. On, the side. on the side. Remember that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we need another one of those little side seats. It was awesome. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think I don't you're never going back. I don't think you're getting one of those. Either. Sorry. It was great. It was great. But it's good to reminisce. Yes, I'm sure it was. So it was. So, um, well, again, thank you guys so much. All I can say is, again, one more shameless plug. Alternate Roots, Red, One, and Blue tonight. Double trouble, man. It's going to be out there. Let's see But thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And and if anyone here has not gotten a guitar pick, I'm going to send my little ladies out here with their cup, handing them out. Just put your hands up. Happy hour guitar pick. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Do we have a uh, Clee Laster in the house? Andrew Cyphers, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Clee Laster and Drew Cyphers, uh, only simplified. You may have heard of them. How's it going? Good, man. Welcome, guys. Here we are. <laughs> What's up, fellas? How are we doing? Good. Good to see you, fellas. Dude, it's always a pleasure talking to you guys, man. Yeah. You know, so 
this is a unique interview because y'all are on here as, as boaters, but you've also been on here as musicians. So that's a huge curveball for yourselves, but sure. probably in a really like good way mentally, like, you know, other than coming on here and maybe some cabin shows, but like, what's that mindset like when, I mean, you're experiencing it now. So like, what, what's the biggest difference for y'all other than having to be on the stage at a certain? I'll say less stress for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, just to like I'm on vacation and, um, you know, I think it's part of being an artist is that anticipation of leading up to the next show. Um, I know me and you feel some anxiety, you know. Well, and I like being out talking to everyone. Sure. So if we're playing four shows or three shows, then yeah. I have to worry about this and I have to go disappear. And I don't want to go disappear. I want to <laughs> hang out with everyone. So, but it's the only way to save my voice for the next show. So uh, besides that part, it's like, yeah. It's been amazing just to get yeah. to hang out and talk to everybody. And I've always said the boat is probably the worst ingredient for a singer to lose their voice because you don't get a lot of sleep. You're drinking, you're talking over loud music, um, kind of partying with the crew, you know? And I think that's what makes the rock boat so special, but it's also a part of why a lot of singers have a hard time. Just it's just all these ingredients. It's also like being on the road, you know, it's just, um, and there's that, there's probably that FOMO aspect. If you're not out there and you're trying to save that voice. Yeah, I miss everybody. It's like, I don't want to go hide in the room all day. I want to come hang out. <laughs> all the things I've yeah. missed over the past years, uh, as far as everybody out, like one year, you, one year you went and, uh, did the, some game or something that I was signed up for, but I was losing my voice and I knew the only way I was going to get through that show that night was I think it was battle shots. It was. Yeah. yeah. See, ingredients to lose another, your voice. Another thing I did not need to go do was a bunch of shots during the day to play the show that night. So, you, know, uh, but you guys did it and had fun and, you know, but uh, that's that's a huge difference is just getting to hang out more than what I would normally get to. So let's talk about Simplified. All right. What, what can you let everybody know? Like, what's going on? What do we see in the future for Simplified? We uh work we're working on the new EP. Uh sure. Thank you. Uh we have like twenty songs. We're gonna narrow it down to five and then uh, maybe a bonus track on there that uh, we did with a good nature a long time ago. Uh, some of you might remember. Uh but just uh focusing on that basically at this point. And yeah. I've been lucky, I've been riding with a bunch of people and, and you guys probably know of good nature. Um, I've been writing with Cam Brown from Up Good Nature and, uh, their, their new EP is out already. It's called Output and I helped him, you know, we, we wrote a few songs for that together and, uh, we, he's actually helping me write some songs for Simplified and Drew and I are getting together and starting to write the song too. So we want, I'd rather go to the studio with an abundance of songs and then narrow it down to the best instead of putting floaters in there that nobody really likes, um, trying to pick the best songs and, you know make it as good as possible what is it what's the biggest challenge that you've seen in your lifetime when it comes to creating new music with different artists as we get older just finding the time everybody getting families and uh you know so, some priorities are more than the music when it gets to that point obviously you have kids you got to take care of them and you got to make sure they're okay so that's the hardest part really but you know, once once we get together, it's 
it works out good. Yeah. I know for me, it's, um, I mean. By the way, he's the best uh, mixer in Charlotte, North Carolina, and, and probably in the, one of the best in the country. So if anybody needs their music mixed, call Drew Cyphers. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. So let's talk about um, an, an amazing music festival that takes place, uh, Rock by the Sea. Right. Yes, sure. May 1st through the 5th. May 1st through the 5th this can year. I, can I get say that he is, out of all the 200 people we've ever interviewed, I've never had somebody show up with a clipboard. Sure. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Like he that. showed up a half hour early. Well, and I, I just want to be like, uh, uh, This is the anxiety uh, of uh, you telling you yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But can you talk to us about Rock by the Sea and... Music festival for charity, guys. Uh, we're drinking for the children. You can't beat that, right? You're going to be drinking anyway. Cheers to well, Thanks for the children. Uh, May 1st through the 5th this year. Um, you can go get your ticks at rockbythesea.org. And uh, Drew and I will be there playing as Clue Dog, which is our little, there's a whole other story with that. But uh, our side thing. So we didn't have, well, we didn't have, we got tired of saying Clee and Drew from Simplified. And uh, at the last Rock by the Sea, we all needed to sign something and do a little drawing or something. Yeah, they wanted us to draw like a patch to make a quilt, I mean. Uh, it was a quilt, a quilt thing. And, uh, Aaron and I, we had had many drinks at this point. It was probably about, we're drinking for the kids, doing a good thing, doing our, <laughs> doing our part. And uh, I just thought it'd be funny to just draw something random. I was like, let's just draw a hot dog. And um, so... so you know, I drew hot dogs in middle school. And Did you? Made of the psychologist. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> so literally, someone has a has a hot dog with Drew and Clee Laster on it. It just was funny as hell to me, and we just went up to Clee late at night. I, wa I walked in the door. I called my son to make sure everything was good there, and then I walk in and we drew a hot dog, and they were like falling on the floor laughing, and and so like. We can dig it out of there, but yeah. And anyway, uh, Lauren, <laughs> and, and we kind of rocked it out there, but uh, this is the hot dog. Yes, yeah, the original hot dog picture. Aaron did the shading. I did the, you know. So it's like a, that's, you know, that's clue a good dog, hot dog right? from Simplified or something, but it's Clue Dog because our music kind of goes with that kind of island vibe kind of thing. So. Um, you need the original. Someone's got the quilt, and they're uh, they're probably like, "What the hell is a hot dog doing on here?" And what's that got to do with drinking Clee Laster? But we were uh, on the way home from the airport, and we we told the story again. We're again we're cracking up, and um, yeah, just it turned into Clue Dog somehow. It did. It did. And yeah, the the rest is history. The dogs are barking, and he... <laughs> It's just a whole joke, man. So yeah, cool. trying to take it too seriously because band names are fucking hard. Band aids. Band names are oh. the hardest thing you do. In the band aids are hard too, especially are. if you have to apply it. Someone's got a couple cocks. It's not easy. Do you, do you, Chris? Do you have some bad interactions with some paper cuts or something? Sounds like <laughs> there's some trauma there for sure. <laughs> so Clay, you know you've been on the boat as an artist. You do rock by the sea. The community is almost one and the same. What's the one thing that you've noticed between the two communities as an artist when you're out there performing? There's not a lot of difference, really. Everybody listens, which is weird when you're, you know, used to playing just regular gigs in little bars and people, you know, are talking and don't 
but you know, between rock boat and rock by the sea, you walk in there, everybody listens, they're listening. And like, you hear a pin drop, you know? Um, and that's an amazing feeling that people aren't there just to be seen and see everybody and take pictures and all that. They're actually there to listen to the music. That's my favorite part about it. Um, that's it seems like every gig that we play, there's someone in the rock boat community that shows up and yes, that too. Super, super, um, supportive and buys the merch and just all the things you hope for as an artist you know you guys you, you guys take care of us for sure like, you know, and make us feel like everything we're doing is right like that's a huge difference between any other gigs i've ever played besides like i said the rock boat rock by the sea it's that kind of vibe and family mm -hmm. you, you meet people and your friends and then but then you miss them like crazy and so i'm glad that rock by the sea started and we get to see each other more than once a year like and uh that whole feeling of family and camaraderie and like everybody together, and you get to help people, you know. And, sure. and your and your guys' interaction like with all of us fans, it does not go unnoticed, Ben. Awesome. I, 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 awesome. We appreciate that as well. Awesome. Absolutely. I'll hang out with you guys till my throat's gone, but uh, <laughs> you might be upset <laughs> with me when you want me to sing, but uh, I'll I'll still <laughs> be there talking because you know hanging out because I, I can't help. So but we spent a week with Clee the first night we met him. Oh. <laughs> somebody lost. I was a lot younger then. Somebody lost their credit card at the end of the night. <laughs> it was my fortieth birthday. It was that. So it was fortieth. <laughs> it was a. It was a great time, my friend. Great time. So what else? He slept in the pool house. That's just your Yeah. Good times, man. So uh, you're working. In conjunction in tandem with um, Michael Paris, yes. Walk us through that. What's that? Uh, we met him through friends. Uh, we used to play a place called Rusty Rudder in Charlotte or Lake Norman, and uh, it shut down since then. But we met in OAR, and Michael Paris was a keyboard player, and we wanted a keyboard player, and he sang harmonies and all that good stuff. And and so we met them through there, and then you know. Uh, he and I have been writing songs, and I helped him write a song called Might Have Been, which is out. Like, the whole album comes out tonight at midnight. And he will also... That's the whole album. And he will also be a Rock by the Sea, and we're going to do... Not sure exactly how the sets are going to go yet, but it'll probably be a Clue Dog set, then a Michael Paris set, then all three of us together, or we'll somehow blend it all together it'll be fine and um so he plays keys and he you know if i don't know if you guys have seen him play guitar but he plays completely different than anyone I've, I've ever seen so um his album snidbits comes out tomorrow uh tonight at midnight and uh it's got the might have been song that i wrote with him and a few other really good ones so like check it out um but i just feel lucky that i get to keep doing stuff even when i'm not doing stuff quote quote unquote I'm I'm at home in a studio and I love it. It's like Drew, like you know, he's got his studio going and we just working with people and having fun. We Did, we've seen Clee's studio too, like on one of the podcasts, and he's got a serious studio there. It looked like Star Trek, uh, you know, somewhere. You were like, dude, that looks like Star Trek in the background or something. The the crazy colors and everything that we have there that's you know blended well. But we're actually moving studios. So, you know, I'll probably be going to visit Drew a little here in the next couple months until we get the studio. Did did you bring equipment onto, like, a guitar onto the boat? Or I'd never leave home without it. Nice. So, like, if somebody in the audience is listening and want to, like, uh, a cabin show, they could, like, come up to you and ask you? 
It could happen. Okay. It could happen. All right. That's cool. I like it. <laughs> He's not saving his voice. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's extra. I, might be. I don't know if you'll actually want the cabin show, but it, it could happen. So, very cool. Very cool. So, what has been one thing that you have experienced on the boat, not as an artist, but as a boater now, that you didn't know was like taking place or happening? That's like new to you. What is life like on the other side? Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> like like Drew said, a lot less stress. There's no, like, and I get to go see what everybody's talking about. I hear about it, but I don't always get to see it because I'm hiding in the room, saving my voice for the next show. So just getting to go out and hang with everybody and actually get to have conversations and not be like, sorry, I'm saving my voice or anything like that. So just the hanging with friends and, and making that happen. Nice. And... Who did all of your artwork design? Uh, Miss Lauren Peckham. Is she here? Yeah, Lauren. Shout out. You can check her out, Simply LP, on Facebook if you guys need anything done for albums, shirts, uh, any kind of art. She does a little bit of everything. Awesome. And kills. Well, thank you guys so much for staying by, chatting, letting everybody know what's going on, all the good things you're doing, and the view of an artist and now a boater. It's, it's, I like it. I love it. So awesome. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. So our next guest is not an artist, but she is an amazing author, ladies and gentlemen. And she's been on, I think, every single boat. All the boats. All the boats. Uh, please welcome author Allison Hammer. This is awesome. It's it's always amazing to be able to hear stories um, from non-artists, and Allison has amazing stories. She's a, a beautiful author. She's got some amazing books. Um, 23rd Boat. 22nd. I've been on every one that set sail. The one I wasn't booked on was the one that didn't happen. So I'm uh, not saying it's weird. good luck if I bring yeah, you know. But... <laughs> let us let us know if you're ever not booking I'll get these travel insurance. <laughs> <laughs> so how does your creative process and music interconnect? And are there different styles for the non-authors out there, including us? Are there different styles that you've seen? authors use to create their stories and wh what is your style so i imagine it's probably similar for musicians but with authors really no two people have the same process um, and i'm always fascinated talking to other authors to find out how they do it and the thing that um i'd actually be really curious to see if musicians have this problem too but there's a lot of imposter syndrome and some of my like favorite favorite authors who've written like 30 40 books say every time they start a new project they're like how do I do this? So I think that Mary Kay Andrews, who is a friend and a brilliant author, says every book she writes teaches her something. Unfortunately, that's not relevant to the next book she writes. <laughs> um, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but I think it, it is art. It is um, a lot of discovery. They're in, the, in the writing world, um, artists, writers say that they're either plotters, where they plot everything out, or they're pantsers, where they fly by the seat of the pants and they don't they don't plan anything. Um, I call myself a plotzer because it sounds 
um, sounds kind of Yiddish. Um, and I do plot, but I um, really let, you know, the characters tell me what's happening, which is fun. Well, you know, Rockboat is all about collaboration. And the last couple books, the Ellie Brady books, which if you have not checked them out, oh my goodness, so good, so good, right? What has that been like to have your style and then Brady's style? So I have to say, like, and, and the rock boat is a magical place for so many reasons, but there is not another place in the world where people know who I am and who have read my books. And the amount of people who have stopped me and said, like, kind things about me and my books, it's like, I like, I want to freeze this moment, and it's just been amazing. Um, but collaboration is is incredible. Um, Brady, my, my co-author for our Allie Brady books, she has um, a saying that I steal that says, not only are two minds better, two minds together are better than, than one mind, but two minds together are better than two minds separately. So she'll have an idea that will spark something that I have, and it just kind of goes, it goes back and forth. Um, and I'm also working on a book with Stephen Kellogg, who some of you might know. Never heard of And that experience has been one of the, the coolest and most rewarding things. Actually, it started right upstairs here. Um, I ran into Stephen. He was a stowaway that year. And I ran into him um, on his way out. He was leaving to go to Sundance. And I was like, hi, remember I told you about a book I wrote? Well, it's coming out. Um, and then the book came out and the pandemic happened. Um, so Stephen did my my launch event, a virtual launch event, which was like magical. And we just started talking and he's become one of my closest friends. And we've got this book. Um, it's called The Set List. And it has been a totally different experience tr con collaborating with Steven as it is with Brady. And I imagine every collaboration is different because different people are bringing their own unique perspective and art to it. So what is, and you made your way into Steven's book, by the way. Yes. So Rock by the Sea, that's back there. Um, Rock by the Sea, Steven and I were um, at a um, after party for Rock by the Sea, a fall event. Sharon and Wes were having a party. And... Um, Stephen was in the kitchen talking to Charity, and I was like, that's Stephen Kellogg. I'm going to hang out. And Stephen said something to Charity and said that he had something Charity gave him at his desk. And I'm like, you have a desk? Like, you don't think about musicians having desks. Like, I couldn't see him behind a desk. Like, do you, like, sit and write a song at a desk? Like, it's just, like, that sounds like, like the antithesis of music and creativity. Um, and he said he writes essays. And, and if you guys haven't already read his book, Objects in the Mirror, it's incredible. It feels... It feels like you're having a conversation with him. Um, but I, he had written a post about forgiveness, and he had about writing a letter and burning it, and I was like, it was beautiful. Um, and it was in the fall, so it had been right around the time of the Jewish holidays, and Yom Kippur is um, one of the high holidays. And, and I had learned something recently that in the Jewish religion, if you ask for forgiveness meaningfully, like not like from your heart, if you ask forgiveness three times, and the person does not forgive you, then it becomes their sin, not yours. And Stephen thought it was, it was, it, it impacted him. And he tweeted about it the next day. And I was like, oh my God, like I was, you know, super fan. Um, and then when I read the book, I read that sentiment in there. So he included it in his chapter on forgiveness, but he didn't know it was me that told him. So it's kind of a fun little, a fun little thing. So for the non-authors out there, when you collaborate with um, another person on writing a book, like with Stephen, for example, it, 
like what does that look like is that like this is what you're going to cover in the book this is what i'm going to cover can you fax me or email me what what you have going on or is it zoom meetings like what is a lot of zoom a lot of zoom um during the pandemic steven and i had a standing zoom date every thursday at noon um and honestly i don't think that our collaboration would have happened if it weren't for the pandemic because like he's never home like the other night our last kind of collaboration session um shady was driving steven in a van on a three-hour drive and i was on the phone with them like with steven for three hours on his on his on his ride um, but with Brady, it's a little bit different. With Brady, um, all of our books, our Allie Brady books, have two point of view characters. And we each have a character that we own. And so we plot extensively together. Um, and then I'll write my chapter. She'll write her chapter. We swap. And then a- that happens every week. Um, with Steven, we plotted out intensely. We had like a- our outline for the book. And I know I said I was a plotter, so I'm kind of leaning more to plotter these days. Um, but our, we had a 50-page outline where we went through and we, you know, came up with our characters, came up with a story, and really outlined everything that was going to happen in the chapter. And so I would draft it and put it in a pages document, and then he would go in and add his poetry. He is such an incredible writer. Um, so he would add things, and we would talk about them, and it's kind of like that repeat, that repeat. But when you eventually read the book, the epilogue, he wanted to, after, you know, going through the whole book, he's like, I would love to take the first stab at one of the chapters. Uh, and so he wrote the epilogue, and of course he did a beautiful job. So can't wait for you guys, hopefully, to to read it um, oh, yeah. soon. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Well, speaking of the two perspectives, I would like to add our next guest up here. Yeah. The other ALI in the house. My best friend. <laughs> and I'm going to pose this question because I am a super fan. And uh, as we were reading the comeback seller, um, the I'm not going to give anything away, no spoilers here, but it was all about coming out of your comfort zone. And I'm going to ask each of you how in the last year you yourselves have, you know, stepped out of that comfort zone. Before we do that, I just want to introduce, ladies and gentlemen, this is fellow rock voter, Dr. Ali Nowitzki. comfort zone far away okay this is a good one okay so background is that um i became a doctor at the ripe age of how old were we 24 maybe and i thought that my whole life was just going to be that i worked for a hospital system and then we had our second daughter and i realized that i i don't know there was just something that there was more kind of how you all come and you like love the music and it's your passion and i was like there's something in me there's something more i don't know what it is and so what i did was i actually started my own company where i served women physicians i only worked with women physicians as clients and to be honest it was kind of a safety net because it was like well i haven't left medicine i'm still giving back and then in the past year i've expanded my company and i now serve all women so that was kind of a really big way of kind of um, just having a different audience that maybe I was kind of, I don't know, I'm going to use the word maybe a little bit fearful to step out in front of to just kind of, you know, educate and give my knowledge. Um, so that's that's was a big step for me. Um, I don't think I stepped out of my comfort zone. I think I was kind of shoved out of it, but sometimes <laughs> like that, that works. Um, so last year, just a month after the rock boat, I was laid off from a job that I'd had with, I'd been with a little gap in the middle. I'd been with a company for like 12 years. 
and it was not a good fit anymore and I, I needed to leave, but like it was safe. I'm comfortable. I knew everybody. Everybody knew me. I didn't have to prove myself like that was going to be a thing that was that was really, really hard because my day job is in advertising. I'm a creative director and like advertising was my life. And then I now have a second career and that I care, you know, just as much about. And so my goals changed, like instead of going to Cannes for advertising, I want to be on the New York Times bestseller list, which is like a, a, a different sort of goal. But when I um, when I was laid off, it kind of forced me out of my comfort zone. So I did some things that I've been procrastinating for for a long time. I um, purged my apartment. I, I, I like stuff. I'm not a hoarder, but I just have a lot of stuff. Um, so I hired somebody to help me declutter. Um, I finally moved from my 600 square foot apartment to a 1200 square foot apartment, two bedrooms with an office. Um, I didn't actively look for a job right away. I let myself kind of heal and relax and, and take the time that I needed. And as a workaholic, that was, that was really outside my comfort zone. And I applied, um, I used chat GPT for my cover letters, which is like amazing. Um, and then I ended up getting a job. I started in September working for um, an agency in Annapolis, Maryland. So I'm staying in Chicago. Everyone's like, when are you moving? And I'm like, I'm not. Um, but I work a week. I, from love, I love how you said an agency in Annapolis, Maryland. Because I think we all know what the agency Oh, no, it's an advertising agency. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right. I'm on to you. It's an advertising agency. Um, but I work from home one week, so it's great that I have that second bedroom slash office. And then I travel three days to Annapolis. So um, thank you. Yeah, my life this year is is drastically different than it was last year. Um, and so I am grateful. You know, I wish things had been a little bit different, but I'm grateful that, that I got that shove out of my comfort zone. I just think it's amazing how both Allie and Allie serve two communities, right? And yet the community we have here serves each other. And I just think it's it, it's an awesome perspective. Allison Hammer writes books. It connects people. Rock Boat, it connects people. It's music. Allie Nowitzki serves individuals with health issues or, you know, image issues and just try to help better people themselves. And the music that we all hear. So I'm interested to know, Allie Nowitzki, what, um, what are some of your favorite Rock Boat moments? Yeah, I love this. And I have to say that um, just as an aside, so I'm the one that's in the background that's like, girls, be quiet. He's recording. <laughs> 6 p.m. Monday night. Okay. Um, so favorite rock bows. So we're like Friday at 8 p.m. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay. You all are very important. <laughs> um, I, there's been so many. Um, I'd have to say, like, if I close my eyes and then open my eyes and then it all stands out. Um, so, you know, when um, John Foreman and his crew came, right? So when... Their first boat, yeah. Yes, yeah, so it was their first boat. And there was we were in the Stardust. And Mark had two glasses of wine, one in each hand. He was double fisting. We're very proud. And um, and so John came over to give Mark a high five and Mark had the wine and he didn't know what to do with it. So he's like, I swear, it felt like five minutes. It was a second, but it felt like I'm five still minutes. Out the high five. So Mark <laughs> finally figured out like how to put one of them down. Executive functioning. We're working on it. And then he and then he gave John Foreman a high five. And it was just so cool. And I, I think that moment really connected me to the band. And then I became a super fan. So then I was like the first one on the deck. I'm never the first one. There's, there's Tim Foreman. Like, like there's his brother. His brother's by the elevator. 
do you think it's weird if I say hi? No. And that's the whole thing. It's just like when I, I think some big moments are just, you know, when I see the artists, um, when I first came on the rock boat, I guess this is my eighth boat now. Um, I, I just felt kind of like starstruck a little bit. And it was, it was like, as the years have gone on now, I just see the human in everyone. And I think that that's why the artists who choose to come on this boat come on this boat is because they also see the human in everyone. And so I just, and again, I'm a builder of communities. That's what I do most of the time for my job. I just feel that um, those moments, those like high fives, waiting that extra second to put your wine down, right? Because he gets it. Um, that's what connects people. So I would say all the moments I have are probably um, big connection moments. And also when Need to Breathe, like first, when we, we were like super fans, followed them everywhere. And um, there was this one moment when, um, well, Bo was still with the band and he was playing his electric guitar and he literally jumped into the crowd and he was like right in front of me. Like he, I, I was holding his ankle. And I don't know, I don't know. That's, that's, that's <laughs> holding his ankle. He's holding his ankle. I was helping him. I was, I was a rock boat helper. Hel helping. <laughs> uh, you're not leaving. I'm your daddy part. Well, could have been mean, worse. Was not going there, so I just kept my hand on the. No, she doesn't go there much. Oh, I'm just kidding. Ear mask, girls. It looks like Mark's gonna need a cabin key to my room tonight. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going there either. I'm out because that's more than I can commit to. No? <laughs> so, speaking about community, um, books, community, connectivity. This upcoming year, I don't know if y'all heard, but we are we had our 200th episode and we interviewed um, Jasmine Copeland from Jasmine Paper Company, and uh, she has a planner that's out, and I would encourage you to go check out. And so we have one here, and um, if anybody was you know questioning on what it looks like, you know uh, it, it's here if you want to take it's a look at deal. it. It's uh, yeah, it's it's cool because it's like. It, connects your day but it's also connected to the boat um it's just thought it was really cool yeah there you go oh look at that little segue i did not see that so let's talk about this next one give me sir uh, allison yeah 22 boats obviously you've got a lifetime of memories i want to ask you the same question though top rock boat moment can i do for this boat Question. I think that yep. every boat is its own unique experience. And I mean, if we have to go, the first thing that comes to my mind for all rock boats, um, if you were there, the wide awake moment on the on the atrium in our old boat, that was like epic. But this boat, um, personally, again, like the world at large, you know, when you see a book, you see a book cover. You don't like authors are not out there as much like their face as musicians are. And so like literally like last night I was walking. I don't know if Jody's in here, but I got stopped by a couple people that are like, telling me how much my books have meant to that. And that's like literally the, the coolest thing on the planet. Um, musically, John Driscoll Hopkins concert show last night. He's playing tonight at midnight. Do not miss it. Um, I've known Hop for years from, you know, when I lived in Atlanta and then the early days in the rock boat. And of course, um, you may know he's with Zach Brown Band. But what he's done with, so he was diagnosed two years ago with ALS. And his music, what he has done with his words, with his music, with his art, and like how he has used that to create art is just phenomenal. So if you have one thing on your on your list to not miss, don't miss that set tonight at midnight. Um, 
it was just a really, really special moment. I'm glad I got to see it, and I'll see it again tonight. So before we wrap up, um, where can everybody go to find out all things Ali Novitsky? Okay, well, normally I would just tell you to go to my website, which is www.thefitcollective.com, but I have a Twitter, I have a, a TikTok now, like literally just started it like two weeks ago. So <laughs> it's pretty fun. So it's just ali.novitsky.md. And I educate on everything. So a lot of my work that I do is all, it's all um, health related. I'm an obesity medicine physician. So I talk all about like the new craze on the medications and all this kind of stuff. But I educate a lot so that people kind of can take ownership of their health. So yeah, so follow me. It's really fun. She's being modest. She started it recently. She has 14,000 followers and the last post got a half a million views. OMG. Yeah, so follow. It's good. I, I educate. That's why I'm there. I'm there to educate because when I realize, like, people are giving really crappy information. I'm sorry, but, like, really. And honestly, like, love yourself. Everybody's unique and different. That's I'm, I'm all about, like, the body positivity, but know the science. Thank you. And, Allison, where should people go? Can we hear a little bit about Until Next Summer? Um, yes, I have. I printed a 1,000 bookmarks because um, it was, like, $10 more than 500 So if you didn't get one, I have a bunch here. Um, but my next book coming out as Allie Brady is called Until Next Summer, um, and it is a romance novel. Oh, yep. Ellen has it in the back. She won a copy in the auction for Artists Against Anti-Semitism, which was amazing. Um, but it ta it's a romance novel that takes place at an adult summer camp. So if you're having fun with the camp vibes um, here at Camp TRB, um, it comes out July 9th, and um, it's two main characters, and they each have a romance and um, a lot of fun. And you can find me, um, I am at this hammer everywhere, not that hammer, this hammer. And then um, <laughs> at Allie Brady Books for the Allie Brady stuff. Thank you both so yes, much. Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you. Boatcast, appreciate it. The little shout out in the back of the last book. Thank it you. It may be here again in this one. So thank you. And I appreciate your support and your friendship. Thank you. And I want to thank everybody for taking an hour out of your day to listen to us. And uh, obviously, when you listen to us on your devices, Thank you so much. And we'll be back here tomorrow, uh, 545, and uh, with some more people. Uh, two of the stowaways, the, the two stowaways, will be here. And uh, uh, Todd and Leah. Yeah. Never heard of them. Never heard of them. Watch out. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.